Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. So I'm coming to you off the back end of what was a big weekend in the competitive industry here in the UK. Um, you had a show called the PCA Universe, which um, is probably the, you know, PCA is probably the biggest show of the year, you could argue, bar the British finals. So there's a lot of people doing that. However, uh, I actually had clients doing um, a two-bro show and uh, we had a lot of success. It was fantastic. I think between them, uh, they grabbed four firsts, two seconds, and uh, an overall, a novice overall. Um, so it was an incredibly successful weekend. Um, it was one where I didn't get much. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get much sleep because we were trying a little bit of something different with both of them, and it meant I needed to get up throughout the night to do some check-ins. But you know what? It was uh, it was so worth it when the results came through, um, and to just see see the look of the guys um, before they went on the stage with um, both of them having competed before this season. Uh, Leighton, um, his look was, was vastly improved from the you know, the, the, the show a couple of weeks ago and that was um, partly due to a little bit of stress but also down to, down to me and a couple of um, mistakes I made with the sodium whereas we rectified that. You know, I put an Instagram post up and maybe sounds cocky but I said we don't miss twice but uh, hey, we didn't and I, you know, his last uh, stage check-in I was like, right, this is we're on here, we're much better than, than we were before, so it was fantastic to see. And then um, Liam, who had done like a bit of a warm-up show when we knew we weren't ready, um, he he absolutely fucking smashed it. It was the best he'd ever looked. Um, he was heavier than he was in previous seasons, um, and uh, he was the one that won the, the novice overall, along with a couple of other firsts and a second. So, yeah, um, excited for Liam as well. Liam goes again this weekend and the weekend after. Um, Leighton's wrapped up in that semi-down off-season. It's so, so, so essential, so crucial as well after those shows to jump on call with your athlete and discuss future plans, set those goals in stone. Um, actually, I spoke about it on Instagram today just to avoid that lost feeling, like I said, um, a few few podcasts ago. But, you know, Leighton was setting his updated calories um, the day after the show on when to start them, etc. And we've got a call tomorrow, I think, is to discuss off-season plans, um, pro- programming and whatnot. But, yeah, the idea of uh, today's podcast is to really talk about how you take, how you go from being a beginner to an athlete, whether that be for someone that's just, you know, just started bodybuilding and you want to step on stage, or maybe you've just started bodybuilding and you're thinking actually one day I would I would love to do a photo shoot, but I'm just not sure um, what to do. I want to work with a coach, but I'm not too sure what the journey looks like. I want to know a bit more about how the journey looks like, etc., etc. So that's ultimately the aim of the podcast today is to just take you through the kind of whole coaching process about how how I run things from my end to try and take someone from how they look right now to looking absolutely badass in front of a camera or in front of a set of judges. So ultimately we need to have a think of, right, where are we starting? You know, what is the what is the composition of the physique? Are we male or female? Are we looking to do a specific bodybuilding class such as bikini or men's physique or novice or whatever it is do we need to to program in a certain manner but not only that you also need to look at the sort of the development or lack of muscle in some areas and that will really kind of dictate where you go with programming now that's that's all well and good but remember that you need to understand that not everybody grows at the at the same rate. So for as much as as a coach, we can say, right, this is where I think we should start with calories. We provide a meal plan around their likes, dislikes, so they know exactly what to do. Um, we provide a program. We need time to see what that does. 
So from my end, I always like to map the journey out. And I think this is essential and crucial, whether you are a beginner or whether you are a seasoned competitor, we need to know what we're doing over time. Now, some females that will come to me, particularly ones that want to, their first time bikini girls, they may have never went through a bulking phase before or a gaining phase. They maybe are a little bit scared of it, maybe have some fears about it, they're unsure, they don't want to just get fat, etc., etc. And uh, the, the guys I work with, they've maybe went through a bulk before, but they've never tracked their food, they've never log booked or, or whatever it is. So I always, I always will always say at the start, right, for the next X amount of months, this is what we're going to do. This is what our target will be. So it might be like, right, from May up until you know, October time or the end of October, we are going to look to to push you up X amount of kilograms. Now, we won't always judge progress on scale weight, but it is a good measure of just how much total body weight we want to add to then. I think in my head, right, that's going to yield X amount more muscle. They're going to get X amount more stronger, etc., etc. So in that time frame of, let's say, five months or whatever it is, we strategically increase calories as and when we need to, we can strategically manipulate um, output, bring it down, whatever it is, um, to to allow them to gain weight. Now, you're probably thinking, right, well, okay, Vaughn, you've said through that for five five months or so. What comes after that? So I will say, right, well, with a new with a new client, I always look at the the year, right? So we say, right, we we maybe need we're in a position where you can bulk. And that's the thing, right? Not everyone is in that position. Someone will come to you, you instantly look at them, and you go, wow, you need more tissue, but you've got a bit too much body fat right now, so you need to diet first. Whereas I'm giving you a scenario by which someone has come to me and they're in a position where they just have to grow. So let's say we said, right, we pushed October. From then, we pull down for six to eight weeks. And in those six to eight weeks, we pull off X amount of weight. And then again, we look to push back up. Now, you probably find when you pull off that, that X amount of weight, they're probably leaner. They have more muscle mass than they probably did at the start of the journey. Of course, there are plenty of considerations that you need to take in, that you need to take in mind. Um, such as, you know, if someone's using anabolics, if you've got a male who's never used anabolics and he's starting anabolics, like, you can uh, you can throw your body weight estimations in the bin, man. Like, <laughs> throw them in the bin. I've got one guy who started with me um, and he was low 80s, maybe maybe mid-80s, mid-80 kilos. And uh, we got close to, I think it was 115 in his off-season, between 115 and 120. So it just kind of shows you, you know, um, when you add assistance in there, what it can do. And he wasn't fat. So yeah, let's say, for example, um, I guess everybody works well with numbers, right? So let's say uh, a female comes to me, they want to step on stage and they're roughly sitting about, let's say, 54, 54 kilos. Kind of kind of normal for a bikini girl, you could say. Um, and, I, and I say, right, let's push it up to 60. We push them up to 60. Um, over that sort of five, six months thereafter, we then pull back down. But when we pull back down, we maybe just pull back down to like 57. We see how we're looking at 57, and then at that point, that'll dictate how much we go, how much we push back up. Do we have scope to push past that 60, or do we have to say, right, no, that's probably the top end of where we'll go? Usually, you maybe get away with pushing up a little bit more, but never never a considerably large amount more, but maybe, maybe just a touch. So maybe say, right, actually, you know what? We're holding 57. This is as strong as you've ever been. It's the more muscles you've ever been, but we know we need a lot more tissue. So let's go again. Let's go again with another sort of whether it's 18, 20, 24 week gaining phase. 
So then you push them from December or let's say January. Um, of course, you may have doubt to break over Christmas, but push them from January up until let's say the end of May. You then recomp. So you're already now about a year into the journey. If they've started in May, as a you know, pretty much when this podcast goes out, you're already a year into the journey. So you push them up from their second gaining phase. They've done two gaining phases, right? By this point, they should have a lot more muscle mass than they did the previous year. Now, it's at this point as a coach, um, you have to then make a decision on, right, are they in a position where we think we could maybe prep this year? Because if that was the case, they must be doing it in the end of September, October time. Like if you're starting prep now, that you're already a little bit behind. So if, if it was me personally, my clients have got to that point now, I probably would recomp them and push them again, but not, not quite as much recomp them again before the end of the year than I'd prep at the start of the, the year after for the shows earlier on in the season. That way, what? why would I do that? Because you have so much more time to make improvements and work with. And that's that's even with someone that you maybe feel has got enough tissue. If you've got someone that's still not got enough tissue by that, the end of that second gaining phase, well, you know you need to go again. So you aren't, you aren't even going to consider it. So let's say you've got to that end of that first year. It's May again. And you think, right, or sorry, it's the end of May. You think, right, let's recomp between June, July, and August. So you recomp for a bit longer this time. You pull down for a bit more. You then have September, October, November, maybe 12 weeks, maybe 12 weeks there, thereabouts, before you know you need to start dialing in if you're thinking about the, the year after. So then that 12 weeks, you've got another improvement phase. So let's say at that in, in that early, so that second bulk, you've pushed them from 57 and you've went up to, let's say, you've maybe went 62. There, thereabouts, right? In that 12 weeks, you then pull right back down to about, say, 57, maybe 56, um, which would be quite an aggressive dieting phase, but let's say you do that. You then maybe hold between the sort of September time to November. Maybe you hold body weight, roughly what it is, but you slowly increment calories up. You then slowly pull back output. You, you bump their caloric ceiling up so that when it comes time for a prep, they're starting prep in a really good position. The calories are nice and high, but they're starting fairly lean as well. You could then enter the dieting phase as of the sort of December, um, have the diet tray, have the diet tray break over the Christmas day, Christmas Eve, and then continue prep thereafter, up until the shows maybe maybe in April. So that's a very quick way of planning out almost two years of of a journey, and that's something that I can. On a consultation call, I can I can off the top of my head roughly give a plan of action, but it's always so dependent on how, like we have to react on what we see in front of us, don't we? So let's say you're someone that grows at an incredibly slow rate, then you're going to need a lot more time than someone that grows at a fairly quick rate. Whether you're a, a male or a female, if you are going down the, the performance science and drug route. Um, you know, the use of anabolic steroids and performance enhancers, you know, your capacity to grow will be much larger and you probably your ability to step on stage will be um, a much quicker time than someone that stays natural. And that's, it might seem unfair, but that's just, just the way of it. But the only way to really know how quickly someone grows is to, is to work with them. You know, over, over the course of time, there needs to be a sort of build, a build up of the, the coach-client relationship the rapport that we have and learning a little bit about their body. So 
let's say for example we've set a, a training program out and we're trying to bring up specific areas now what's involved in that or what should be involved with that in my opinion is looking at training footage so making sure that and i do this with my clients during their check-ins is getting them to send over for us it's two training videos per week now it's not just a case of send the video boom you're done because any video can look good anyone can look like they're training hard specifically like in the sets you send me they want to they want to train hard because they want they want me to see that but what i get them to do is i get them to send it and more recently i'm getting them to then add alongside that what's your internal cues and i often i'm met with a bit of a blank expression or, or look when i speak to to new clients about this and this is simply because this is maybe not something they've ever thought about. And this is something that we need to take in consideration with the time frame from going from a beginner to an athlete. Is you maybe you trained in a certain way for many years, moving away from A to B. And all of a sudden you look at your program and it's got some coaching cues of initiate this, contract that, push here, think about doing this, squeeze, you know, squeeze a credit card between your glutes. And you've never really thought of that. So then that itself is a whole learning curve. And we must then communicate back and forth about what we're thinking of doing. Now, of course, we have a, a resource on YouTube that, that goes through all the exercises in the program and we speak about what our internal dialogue is. So if new clients, I encourage them to before every session, particularly if you're a beginner, go over those tutorials. And if they're not sure, message me, hey, on, on that move, what should I be thinking about? What am I contracting in what position? You know, I'm feeling it here. Why am I feeling it there instead of there? This is really only comes about through analysis, doesn't it? As as an online coach, it's um, you know I'm not beside them on the gym floor, and I feel like if I was to assume that they know exactly what they're doing um, and not assess, I would I wouldn't be doing a very good job because I've had many clients both guys and girls and guys I'm speaking to you guys are like yeah yeah Vaughn I know how to train and then they send me a video and yeah they're training hard and I go right you can train hard number number two what's your internal cues and then what, what they send me is they just they don't have any idea and then I give them some tips and hints they come back and like oh my god that felt so different that I felt so I felt so much more and I go yeah this is exactly how we how we want to train from now on now, what you'll tend to find is in that initial few weeks, naturally someone will grow because they are super motivated. They're starting this journey with you. They're mo- they've never they've never been this consistent with food. They've never trained like this before with the intent of progressive overload. But not only that, you then add this extra layer onto their training. They've, their muscles never had that stimulus. It's only response when you combine the progressive overload with the internal thought cues and the mechanical tension is to just grow, grow, grow. And it is amazing to see what someone can do. Amazing to see the transformation literally in a few months when they when they when they start implementing this. But for me, this is something like the, the training footage is something that's so essential at the start, but it's something never to drop and to never get lazy with. I've said it before. Uh, one of my most longest serving clients will be Clara. I think we are four years into the journey now. And, um, you know, she still sends me videos. Hey, Vaughn, could you take a quick look at this? I'm not really sure about my foot position here. I'm not really sure about my depth here. Can you have a look at my stiff legs? Can you let me know how they are? Um, for that second set of eyes, that second pair of eyes, because I think that we all we all need um, 
we all need to be doing that. I mean, me personally, I'm, I don't even know how many years into my journey, but I still video sets and it's not just for the gram, it's for my own purposes of looking back and assessing my tempo, assessing my form and kind of going, right, actually, you know what, that was a bit quick. I need to slow that down. I need to be a bit more focused on X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah, so what I would say is start off assessing and then continue to assess. And I say, say to they're like, oh, hey, after they've sent me a lot, hey Vaughn, is there any videos you want me to see? And I say, just go through the program, every single move, maybe bar the, the bloody calf raises, right? Or the seated adductor, we know that they can be done well. Let's go through them all. And then six months down the line, well, you're, you're fucking massively hitting more PBs. The weight should be so much more on your RDL, your deadlifts, your leg press, your squats. Let's relook at them at the heavier weights. And let's make sure you're executing your forms there, etc., etc. Of course, maybe by that point, they, they know the internal cues and they don't need to continue to send you them. But in that initial first six month period, there should be a lot of emphasis based on teaching. And what you'll find is when after a few weeks, once they've been doing it, or once you've been doing it, you'll instantly just start doing it on everything you do. You'll, it'll become a thoughtless process um, rather than having to consciously get on, get on, get on. It'll just, you'll just, you'll just do it because it'll become habitual in nature. Um, but I thought I'd, I'd add that in. It's something that it's often missed. But as I said, client four years, four years in the journey is still, still sending me videos. Um, now, not only this. What I think that must be done from the start as well is if you are thinking about a specific class is that you got to start looking at posing from straight away. Now, if you've come on board to me and it's 2022 and I say, listen, your stage stage time is probably going to be 2024, there could instantly be a thought process in your mind of, right, well, that's ages away, I'm going to wait. I would actually come, come at you and say, I want you to start posing right now and I want you to find out who your nearest posing coach is and I want you to book a session with them. Von, why? Why why should I do that now when it's so long away? And I say, right, you've you've hired me to help you work on a specific goal or for a specific goal. We are trying to train in a manner and grow the body in a specific manner to make certain poses, certain body parts and certain poses look better. So shouldn't we really be assessing in that manner from the start? And then people go, Oh right, okay, I get it. So if you and I've seen this, right? You might see a, a beginner come on board and they, um, they're a bikini girl, they maybe don't have heels or they don't know how to do the rear shot or the side shot. And I go, whoa, you've got like so much more tissue you need to gain, blah, 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 blah. And then they learn posing straight away, they get a cell pair of heels and a posing bikini. And then they send over their first sort of uh, posing video for their check-in and I'm like, whoa, you look way different. Like you have the muscle bellies like there, you have tissue there that we didn't think was there. And that initial time frame that I said could potentially be wrong. Um, of course, maybe you still need to make improvements, but it's it's just so different how, like I, I live, I've literally said that sort of like, yeah, you, you maybe can't compete this year and it needs to be next year. And then they send me a video with heels on. I go, wow, you've, you've definitely got the potential to, to do this a bit earlier than I'd, I'd first thought. And that's, again, as a coach, you just you got to hold your hands up when when you maybe uh, make a change to the decision to start. But that's the thing, like these things are so dependent over time. You start off with a rough rough guide of what you'll do for the next year or two. Um, definitely the next 12 months, 100%. I think you map it the next 12 months. And then by that point, you then have the scope to map it the, map it the next 12 months till stage. Because so much can happen in that first 12 months that you, you, know, you just don't know. 
before you can plan the second 12 months, if that makes sense. Um, people's goals might change. People might be an accelerated rate of growth if they're using performance signs on drugs and be ready to go by the end of that 12 months. You just, you have no idea. So if someone says to me, Vaughn, hey, what's training going to look like in two years? Well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> it depends, right? I always use the answer, it depends so much. I'm not saying it to be lazy. I'm saying it because I'm just being honest. Like in the time frame that, that we work together in the first six months, we may not need to change the program whatsoever at all. We may need to look at pulling some sets back, adding some sets here or there, depending upon your rate of growth if you're slow. If you're really, really strong, we're definitely going to have to pull things back. If we've seen a body part respond very well, but another body, body part hasn't, then that'll need to change. You know what I mean? It's so... That's the way I think. I think that the answer, it depends. Yes, we can have foundations of what we do, and this is kind of roughly what a bikini girl program looks like. But, you know, I've got one bikini girl who's just competed now who's doing glutes almost three times a week, and she's training her delts once. I've got some bikini girls that are hitting their delts three to four times across the week, and their glutes at the same rate, because how their look is so different, and like their strengths and weaknesses are, are so, so different. Now, one thing you can do, and I actually trialed this with a client last year, is during that aggressive recomp phase that I had said after the first year, that's something that you could actually use to trial what prep would potentially be like, but not, but not be as quite aggressive and pull down to where they would be. But I would only encourage you to do that if you feel that client is in a position that you think, right, by next year, you, like, you're good to go, but we just need more time and I don't want to put you in those qualifier shows in September, October because they're going to be absolutely stacked and I'd rather put you in these shows next year. Maybe the shows next year, they work better for travelling. Maybe they're closer to where the client lives, etc, etc. But what you can do is you can trial um, a little bit of a aggressive recomp and do like a photo shoot at the end of it. But you just know in your head, right, we've maybe, we're still maybe four kilos above stage weight. You know, we're not at the point where we're we're maybe getting a little bit fucked, but we're not absolutely fucked. Training performance isn't too suffering too much. It's hard to do. We need to dig a bit, but we're not going all the way. That's how I look at it. And then you've got a great, great place to to start to rebound from um, as you sort of maintain slash put in a little bit more on in between that sort of after that recomp and then to the point where you'd start prep that sort of maintenance slash hold phase. You could say, and it worked really, really well um, with a client who thought she wouldn't be able to prep she was like, I'm not going to be able to have to do cardio every day. I'm not going to be able to make the time to balance all of this. And then she found out that she was able to do it. So then going into prep this year, she was way more confident with it. And she knew she kind of knew what to expect as well, a little bit, which again gave her a bit more confidence going in. I think that confidence is a huge thing that must be built up over time um, with like within the athlete, but also like as a coach, how, how you help with that. So giving your client praise when you feel like the they've sent you a set and it looks good and they've taken like maybe they've taken on board some feedback and they've come back with a better set or better cues and a better thought process or the, you know over six months the transformation has compl- you know completely blown your mind giving them a bit of praise and it help help them build that confidence build that rapport so by the time it gets to prep you just know exactly what to fucking do the more comfortable that your client is with you and the more they know know you on a personal level the better like the better prep is going to be and the better results you'll get 100% if a client doesn't have a good relationship with their coach and they feel anxious they feel nervous and whatnot I guarantee the results won't be as good um and it's been a real shame 
in the industry lately to see um, some recurring things coming out about certain coaches um, and, and their unprofessionalism in the industry. And I think it's a real shame for the for the females that have had to go through that. Um, if you're listening to this and you are one of those females, you know, I, um, I can only apologise for for that uh, that coach coach's behaviour. He does not represent uh, who we are in the coaching industry. And I think that anyone um, at the top of the top of the game in this industry would say the same. Um, that it's really coaches like that are really damaging for for the online game. But um, hey, he's uh, he'll get what's coming to him for sure. But yeah, it was me going a little bit off track. So yeah, if you're thinking about starting, um, if you're unsure of where to start, I'd say just start. Right, if you're not sure about okay, um, what does it look like? How does this look? Blah blah blah. I hope this podcast has helped. I actually have a a video if you're ever ever looked to inquire. Um, I actually have a video of uh, me going through exactly how our programs look, how our meal plans look, what the check-in procedures like, etc., etc., um, to give you even more of an idea. So I encourage you to reach out if you're looking to come on board. the The space is really for for competing this year. I would say, or unless you're in a position where you're very good, are probably limited, um, and you're probably looking at a next year an improvement phase. But that's what I encourage you to do. If you're just thinking about it, I would say start preparing right now. Reach out, see how long we think it's going to take you, um, and then we can kind of go from there. All the best to anyone that's competing um, this weekend across the board, across the federations. I um, hope that it does go well. If you've just competed um, and you're entering an off-season, what I'd encourage you to do is just accept that the cravings will be there for a long time, but you will get a handle on it, no problem. Um, that feeling of always thinking about food, it will go away, it will pass. Just trust me on hormones and whatnot settle down, you'll be absolutely fine. But apart from that, guys, wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.